even though people owe you stuff yeah it's like you still got to show up and yep. that, that's hard for me sometimes part of me that is still waiting for somebody to do for me what they should have done for me mm. in that moment at that time in that event and mm. now i'm 43 and i have to do it for another person Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome back my dear friend, Sean Marshall. This time, we ask the question, why am I not okay? If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, feel free to pause this one and go back and listen to that one. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok, if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig News Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Sean Marshall. We were handed down something um, by others who, you know, went a little bit before us yeah. in ministry and movement, we were handed down something, this idea, fake it till you make it. How many times you hear that one? <laughs> you know, yes. and it's the idea that if you are a leader, hmm. you are a person with any level of responsibility for people or the movement, that you have to present yourself as okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, um, and the example is, you know, Jordan, when he had the flu and he, well, you know, or he was poisoned, whichever version that you want to believe. Right? <laughs> yeah. And they were playing the Utah Jazz. <laughs> he had, pe he had right. pizza, too right. much pizza. So yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then he goes out and he scores like 50 some points or something and kills the game. Right. Yeah. So, and that was the example. You know, you got to go out there and be like Jordan, you know. Yes. So, when you're sick, you have to perform. And yes. When you're hurting, you have to perform. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming to this idea. It's like, first of all, I think f the first problem with fake it till you make it is like, when do we make it? <laughs> <laughs> when do I've been we faking it? it for a long time. Right. It's yeah. like, I, okay, so is there is there really, um, and do we have any examples of anybody who said, you know, 32 years into this thing, I was finally able to stop faking it. No, no. Faking it becomes the way of life. Exactly. So now I'm in the mode of going, you know, that's the yeah. second part is, no, nah, I, I ain't trying to fake it no more. I'm, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. Um, you know, Oof. so 30, 40 days ago, I was like, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I, I can't. And that was liberating <laughs> not just for me, but it was liberating for all the people I suppose have been faking it for. <laughs> That's right. Because they're like, oh my God, how do you keep going with all this superhuman strength? I don't. I get tired just like <laughs> you. And it's okay to be tired because that's right. not like an indictment on your ability or your giftedness or who you are or your value that you can't get tired. Sean, this is bringing up some stuff for me, though, because I remember hearing this a lot 
that like, you know, you're a person too, and we want to make sure that you get rest. And, but as soon as you're overtired, it's not okay. Right. And you're, and, and the, and the ascription of something more than it really is becomes a problem too. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, for me, it's like the utter exhaustion that comes from faking it constantly. And it's not, to be fair to us as well, it's not faking it in the sense that some might think of it. It's just pushing yourself beyond your boundaries and your limits. That's right. That's right. That's you know, um, and working hard to do what you believe within your soul is right. So it's not like being hypocritical that a way with, that we think about faking it, right? right. Um, and right. pushing so hard that you neglect any of your own needs. And so that will make anyone unwell. Yeah. Anyone. And it's unsustainable. It is. It's, it's, it's unsustainable, period. Yes. <clears throat> so at some point, if you try to hold on to those ideas, it is inevitable when you come to a point where you feel like you don't, with, within your own life, like you don't have permission. Right, right. You rest, you don't have permission to have your needs met. You don't have permission to start asking hard questions because no, you're supposed to keep pushing. You're supposed to keep going. You're yes. Be Ooh. this version that we have all somehow deemed as acceptable. Right. When you say I'm hurting. I'm 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 tired. When you say no, I can't perform at that level. Now you're not representing what we think you should represent. Right. Right. <laughs> So when you, when you, and I, we've talked about this before, when you get into this mode of leading and needing to take care of yourself, there's the logic, the rational part of our brain that's like, yeah, I need to do this. And then there's the deep guttural, yeah, but that subconscious that keeps us pushing beyond our rational mind. The childhood stuff that's still within us is subconscious a lot of times and we act out of that in ways that we're not necessarily aware it's like oh where'd that come from right. but i think differently now i don't believe that right? right you know like the ways that that shows up uh when we're trying to take care of ourselves can be a little unsettling for us absolutely you remember what comes to mind now do you remember the james brown movie with chadwick boseman in it yeah 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 you remember how it started the beginning of the movie started off with uh james brown driving off in this truck after he walked in somewhere with a baseball bat yep yep <laughs> you're like maybe a few minutes away from the ending and it goes back to that scene yeah and when <laughs> they pull him over the little boy james brown jumps out of the truck oh yeah that's good and and there are very few movies that wreck me but that mm. movie, that one scene wrecked me because mm. it's like, yeah, there's always this, this, there's always this part of us that we think that we have mastered. Yeah. That we think that we have discipline, that we think that we have controlled. And I find that much of life is trying to, trying to keep that part of you from like running your life only <laughs> to have these moments where you look up and you go, where you come from 
<laughs> but you, you're trying so hard to make everybody believe that you really like have silenced that voice. Yeah. Or, you know, it. it's like you're having an out of body experience and you're looking at them. Right. Yes. So you, you are looking at them going off on your kids because you've been triggered. You oh. are looking at them overworking because you feel like that's what you have to do in order to be loved and accepted. You are looking at them taking things in that you don't want to take in, not yeah. because it's wrong to somebody, but just because that's not what you want to do. Yeah. But you but then this other part of you is is screaming and crying. I need. Yes. And and it's the part of us mm. that for whatever the reason, something happened and whatever happened in that moment, that part of us was silenced Yes, and was told, no, you can't have this. Mm. You can't have voice. You can't have safety. You can't have protection. You can't have attention. You can't have affirmation. You can't have fun. Mm. You can't have wonder. You, you can't have mystery no you yeah know. and and so oh. I, think I i i don't know how to manage that part other than what's been on my mind lately a lot is this statement nobody ever tells you that when you're a child other people are supposed to meet your needs they're supposed to be responsible for your mental needs, your psychological needs, your physiological needs, your emotional needs, your financial needs, your spiritual needs. Yes. And, and at some point, they never tell you what the point is. No. Not the same for everybody. At right. some point, that authority transfers to you. Yeah. And you become responsible for your needs. Yes. I think... And I'm not talking for any other group of people. I think where I get stuck and what I'm realizing now at 43 years old is that I realize that that's hard for me to do mm. because 10 year old me is still waiting for some people who should have done what 10 year old me needed to come back and at least say they were sorry. <laughs> It's like this. It's like, you know, the 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 landlord comes along and says, your rent is due because it's the first. Yeah. And you tell your landlord, well, I got robbed yesterday. Mm -hmm. And your landlord goes, I'm so sorry to hear that. By the way, the rent is still due. Oof. And, you know, because it's still your rent. Yes. Yes. The landlord is not obligated to be compassionate to you. No. And so the landlord is life. Yeah. So life does not always give you the compassion that you feel like you want or need. Yeah. So even though people owe you stuff. Yeah. It's like you still got to show up. And yep. that, that's hard for me sometimes. Oh. The part of me that is still waiting for somebody to do for me what they should have done for me mm. in that moment at that time in that event and mm. now i'm 43 and i have to do it for another person they don't teach you that one 
in any of the books <laughs> or the degrees that you get. They don't teach you that one. I've never heard it in college. I didn't hear it in high school. I didn't hear it in a sermon. Nope. I didn't read it in a book. It wasn't on an after school special. It's <laughs> one of those things that, that that you learn painfully. You you do you learn painfully and then sometimes like in many people's situations, you're continually subjected to the reminder that you will never get that. In fact, you will see the person or people double down that um, they were either doing everything they could or you're wrong about your own experience. Right. right. And this is a, this is a painful thing that people have to endure because I know this sometimes I'll be in a professional setting and 11 year old Dave is there and he's like, well, why don't why aren't you understanding me? Like, why don't you get me? And my anxiety level starts to raise and I start to have, and it's like, and though I'm a, I'm an intelligent guy who can articulate stuff, you're looking at an 11 year old up here, right? <laughs> right? Yes, who is deeply struggling and insecure. And they, it's not their, it's not anyone else's job to, to care for me. I'm not going to be like, you know what guys, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in fifth grade right now, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know, maybe that'd be a powerful experience, but it, that's not what we do. Right. We have to, we have to keep going. We have to figure out what needs there that are lacking there. And we have to figure out a way to get those needs met. And that's, that's the part of it that hurts. Yeah. You that know? we have to own it when someone else did it to us. Yep. Yep. That, and, and, not only do you have to own it, but you got to figure it out. Yeah. You got to own it and then figure it out. And then at some point, some therapist is some therapist is going to tell you that you need to pay them money to tell <laughs> that not only do you need to own it and figure it out, but then you need to go back and forgive the person who didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, part, part of the reason why they tell you that, they don't tell you that this is why they're telling you that. Part of the reason they're telling you that is because they wanted to sink in that, like, it's okay. It's not right. Yeah. But it's okay because, like, forgiveness is actually a step of empowerment. Yeah, it it's is. A step, it's a step to say, but you don't want to hear that before no. you like, Cause, cause it's, it's, cause it sounds too much like I'm excusing you yeah, and I'm making it okay for these people to not meet my needs. Right. And part of why that's really difficult is because the, the dance within me, you're talking about the dance, yeah. the dance within me is always, are my needs valid? Oof. Are my needs valid? Yes. So if, if 43 year old me is struggling with whether or not this need is valid. Mm. Ten-year-old me is already breaking into the safe to yes. go get the need met somehow. Oh, yeah. You know. I, I I remember talking about this uh, with our friend Celeste um, yeah. about how I'm like, is is most of therapy just telling the person or helping them understand that the ways that they've responded or coped with needs that are missing normal they're okay 
they're just that's oh that's normal that makes sense mm-hmm. right yep. Yep. <laughs> it's right. just it makes sense that you tried to get your need met that way it makes sense that you're still trying to get it met that way yeah yeah i i remember it wasn't a therapist but he's a mentor of mine um i remember and and this is somebody that to this day i appreciate him because i can have very raw conversations with him hmm. and i remember telling him for the first time about some of the you know stuff i experienced as a kid and stuff that i had been discounting my whole life because it wasn't other stuff that other kids had gone through yeah know how it affected me so when he heard it he said sean it's like you need to think of it like you were a uh, soldier in vietnam Mm. who lost a limb and you didn't know it and and you've been trying to walk along and not understanding it there's a part of you that doesn't understand when people aren't helping you but then there's another part of you that isn't acknowledging that you need the help because you don't know what you lost (laughs) oh that's so real you know what i'm saying and and you know so i i I appreciated him saying it because then he followed that with and everything you've done since that moment makes perfect sense and it was like oh (laughs) <laughs> thank you okay <laughs> so you so you get that i've just been trying to figure this out yeah this applies on so many levels right that when harm is done there's a reaction to that harm and the person that does the harm is often like what's the big what what are you why are you acting that way why are you doing that like right. what why are you what's happening here and it feels so disconnected because maybe that reaction is later and maybe it shows up in different circumstances that they don't expect but you're forced to reckon with harm that was done to you and you don't even know all the ways it affects you you're walking around with no arm and people see you walking around with no arm they're like he must have done something yep 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 you he can't he can't function like the rest of us are supposed to function yeah and you know you know dave i think for a society that was so deep in industrialism and manufacturing you know we had these factories and everything was on an assembly line Mm. and you know this car was made like the last car then you go to school and all the desks are organized into rows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this student should behave like that student. And, you know, there are 22 kids in this classroom. And at the end of the, the semester, they should all perform the same. Really? In that kind of a society. I love you. It sounded like you almost said asylum. Keep going. That's good. Right, right. right. <laughs> Freudian slip, right? It, in that kind of an environment, it's it's really hard to get it when somebody doesn't get to the end of the assembly line the way that the others did, right? Mm. When that happens in the factory, we mark this as defective. Yep. And then we set Ooh. it to the side. And there is this subtle, insidious thing that if you don't function 
the way other people appear to be functioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Then there's something that says you're defective. Yes. So, right. So when all, all the stuff manifests. Yeah. So when you are unable to perform at work like your coworkers do. Mm hmm. Or when you're unable to show up as a parent like other parents do. Mm -hmm. when you're unable to show up in your relationship the way other people in relationships do. Or when you're unable to have the, the financial appearance that other people your age are able to demonstrate. Mm. Nobody says it out loud. No. Nobody says it out loud. No. But there's this very subtle, unspoken undercurrent. Oh, it's a little bit defective. Huh? Yep. You know, which we internalize by how people behave and how people interact with us and people, what people say, what they do not say. Mm. Mm. That becomes a tape that plays in our head. Yes. And then we set ourselves out of the game. Yes. Take ourselves off of the shelf. Right. Because we believe that. We believe that we're defective. Yep. Yep. When in reality, the truth of the matter is, is that we're just hurting and trying to reconcile what we didn't have, what we didn't get mm. taken from us, pain that nobody even explained to us. So, so you spend like mm. years trying to figure out what the pain even is. Yeah. Then you spend a good 10 years reconciling, oh, this person that I loved and respected somehow caused this pain. Then you spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how not to allow that pain to keep you from living. And, and, and it's your responsibility. So somebody else messed you up on the assembly line. <laughs> right, right. And now you got to, now you've been marked defective. Yeah. Now you have to fix yourself. And that's that's that feels like a really bad deal. It's a bad deal. And we just got to name it for what it is. It's a bad deal. Instead of being like, well, that's just suck it up. That's the way that's a bad deal. It's mm -hmm. not right. Mm -hmm. And and then once we know that and are aware of it, then we got to do something different. That's and this true. is where this is where I, I talk to my kids a lot and it angers too many people that are close to me that. Um, nobody should just get, you don't just do what someone says that you do. People need to earn your respect. And like, from my perspective, adults, there's, and you, we know this age is not synonymous, synonymous with wisdom. Um, and so we, and we know this because a lot of people are carrying around that thing that you just said, that most people believe this defective thing, which allows us to have grace for them. And, an understanding and you're not about to put it on my kids right um and my kids are going to learn tools to be able to identify what's happening within them at a young age yes why they're responding the way that they are yes and then they'll be able to be more aware of their needs and for me that is a gift that we should all receive right 100 percent. what's happening in me why am i acting this way what do I need? 100%. Absolutely. Because that, that, that process, equipping people with that kind of a process 
say it again. What's happening within me? Yeah. Why is it happening? And what do I need? Yeah. Equipping people with that kind of a process gives them permission to name that something is not working. Right. Yes. And sets them free from the the pain of pretension. Like you said earlier, that there's a difference between hypocrisy, two-facedness, right? Yeah. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> two-facedness i may have i like it i like that but you know whatever that is there there is that but then there is this other thing where we feel like we have to sort of cover up where we feel defective yeah right what what you're suggesting is you know let's all do what we all need to do in some way, shape, or form, which, by the way, we had an opportunity to do in the pandemic. Yeah. We chose not to, right? Right. So the pandemic was an opportunity for us to say, you know what? I think the healthcare system is messed up. Yeah. And the education system is messed up. Yep. And the economic system is messed up. And the governmental system is surely messed up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Oh, you mean there is something called racism? <laughs> you mean police brutality is a thing? Yeah. You, so we we could have, and my my um, uh, sister of mine, uh, Kimini Kwan, hmm. Kimini Yuan, um, I'm mispronouncing her name. She's she's um, a thought leader um, out of uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Hmm. Uh, Kimini, uh, she talks about this beautifully. Um, we could have named all of those things. Yeah. But instead, we chose to go back to normal. Yes. And when you choose to go back to normal and pretend like what's broken is not broken, you trap yourself from healing. And so the, the most courageous thing we can do is to give people permission to say, that's not right. I'm not feeling good. Why am I not feeling good? And what needs to happen right now? So for, yes. me, so for me, as like a preacher, oftentimes I wonder, I like, I believe in what I preach, but I wonder whether or not people have within them the capacity to have an internal dialogue that helps them to recognize that what I'm preaching can actually get to the core hmm what they really need or mm. whether or not they're taking what I'm preaching and using that as a tool to build the mask of pretension, right? Oh, you see what I'm saying? So 100%. And, and we do that with like, we do that with preaching. We do that with therapy. We do that with self-help stuff. Yes. We running. We, we do that everywhere where we take things that could be healing and we use them to continue to build the facade. If we're equipped with the tools and with the, the wisdom to be able to say, very simply, it's okay if you ain't right. It's okay. Yeah. Because ain't none of us right. Ain't none of us right. <laughs> none of us okay. So it's okay if you're not okay. Simple. It's not, it's not an indictment on your value. It's not an indictment on your humanity. 
And it's okay for you to have an internal dialogue with yourself and say, I'm not okay. Why am I not okay? Mm. And what a different thing that is to hear from a preacher that it's okay that you're not okay rather than it's okay that you're all, you're a sinner and so am I. It's a different thing. Those are two different things. You know, it makes me think about something that I'm confident you and I have talked about on multiple occasions that uh, healing requires tension and disruption. And that is part of the, the preacher's thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is an invite, like we're, we're going to invite each other into disruption. It's painful, but we're all doing this thing together. But something that happens when we hear a message, everyone in that room, let's say you got 10,000 people in there, everyone's hearing it differently and everyone is using it to soothe. Yes. Right. Yep. On some level. And hopefully on some level be like, Oh, okay. I'll try that. But that, that part is not necessarily as, as uh, much as the need for soothing. Um, and so we know this that, and and back to the pandemic thing, (laughs) we know that what happens when you squelch people's outcries, what do they do? They out, they act out, they do things that like they wouldn't normally do because they're frustrated and they don't know what else to do. Yeah. So when you're up there and you're offering like, you know what, I'm here, this should be soothing. We should be a balm for each other, not a bomb, a balm, right? We should be comforting to each other. And let's, let's get a little disruptive because we all want more healing. Mm-hmm. What a fine line that is. That's a difficult thing. And to earn that trust up front. <laughs> it's a difficult thing. And this conversation is really helping me reconcile a couple of different things. But it's a mm. difficult thing because it requires a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. It, it, it requires the courage to believe that healing and transformation are actually possible. Yes. Because if healing and transformation aren't possible, then pretension is the best way to go. Absolutely. And if pretension is the best way to go, then let's go back to fake it till you make it. Yeah. Let's just give the best presentation we possibly can and just see how will people respond to it. Yeah. On whatever level they're responding to it, other than change or growth or transformation, right? Yes. So it, it requires a tremendous degree of vulnerability mm. and courage and hope, but also this um, the the willingness to sort of believe on credit that I'm okay regardless of what my image may say mm. right the That's image tough that I, the, the, i'm oh i'm okay no matter what you know or think about me i'm okay i'm okay if you know that i'm tired <laughs> now after i say that i'm tired and you go i'm tired too yeah and i tell you well you know what i'm gonna do I, I'm gonna get rest because that's what I need. Yeah. Right? Yes. Then that could be hopefully instructive for you. <laughs> right. That, yes. that that could preach its own sermon. You, yes. As opposed to no, you can do it and you got the strength and 
And you know, they that wait upon the Lord <laughs> renew their strength. And God's sitting up in heaven, like, man, take a nap. Stop. <laughs> Shut up and take a nap. You know, one of the things that I've found and noticed is that we'll get a little real here, okay? Yeah. Um, four years ago, I was a pastor. Yeah. I'm not anymore. And in the in the world that I'm in now, it's like I've people like wow you're a teacher now okay you're a teacher what'd you do before okay and then i gotta like tell people who i am yeah and what i notice is i can either keep it i can keep it just like oh i did this this and this and then the longer i'm working with someone the longer it's like well i'm getting to know you a little bit and then sure enough as soon as you're like well i had depression i left my wife I did this. I I had this happen. All of a sudden walls just start to fall down. Yeah. They just fall. Yeah. Not just for you, but for the other person. They're like, Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Let's like, and for me, it takes a long time before I'm about to say any of that stuff. But when I have, I notice that it doesn't actually matter to me what they think. Yes. I'm all of a sudden like, Oh, yeah, that's me. That's my life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I'm okay. Yep. And you're okay. Yep. And that's when you start pastoring. <laughs> right. It's so, that's so true. And it's, and, it's so true. And it's so much more rich and deep and better because you're free from the need to try to build up this image that goes before you, mm-hmm. you know, and there are so many people, so many people who are just exhausted of that. Yeah. And yeah. they can't do it anymore. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're not, we are not what we do and how well we do it. Mm-mm. And hopefully we do that for each other in the moments that we feel the most vulnerable and need that that's a beautiful thing and what people most people really want they people think what they want is that strong person up front which is what people thought they loved about donald trump but what people really want is someone that's like them that's being honest and like no i struggle with that too yeah not in the past right now right now today right Right. now and it's okay right right exactly and it's so I'm so glad you said that because it reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about community. Mm. What that looks like, what I was going to say was, I think that community looks like the place where I can show up with child me too. Yes. Yes. And and everybody's like, it's good to have y'all here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I, I don't have to hide that kid because because. I'm not the kid and I'm not just the 43 year old. I'm both. Yes. Yes. And And, if who I am and who I am becoming is the integration of both of those realities Mm. in one life. And I'm safe here to do that work. The community of faith has such capacity and room for all of that. And man, if that exists, I'm in. I, Dave, I'm so grateful for the fact that 
I got to experience a community of faith outside of the bounds of whiteness. Mm. Um, because when you live on the other side of the power of oppression, there's room and and in general on the other side of for the most part this system that gives you an automatic sense of identity yeah yes um uh this past sunday my friend and pastor um was singing a song before he preached this is before the sermon i will trust in the lord i will trust in the lord I will trust in the Lord until I die. I will trust. This just goes, right? Mm. That was one of the songs that my grandmother sang when she was battling cancer. Mm. And so when the doctors had said, nothing we can do, no more treatments will help you. She was frail on a walker couldn't go out into her garden again. Could She would sit at the kitchen table. She would have her Bible open and she would just sing, hum that. And then she'd sing a few words of it, but she'd mostly be humming it. It wasn't even about the words. Mm. And so there's this instant connection that happens for me with the song where I'm reminded of the strength of a woman who was able to just endure. Yeah. She was and and she was able to endure in her reality. Yeah. You know, she was, yes. just, she was able to say, This is who I am right now. I'm my my body is frail. I'm in pain. I don't know if I want to be here, but this song is gonna lift me enough to go make some greens. Oh and, you know, and the the power of that, um that preached to me before the words did you know because it, <laughs> yes. it instantly connected and reminded me that i'm connected to a group of people who understand what it means who who had no choice they didn't have a choice in figuring out how they were going to go forward no they had to and so sometimes the integration and the reconciliation. They didn't have therapists. Nope. They didn't have, you know, uh, the holistic psychologists. They didn't have, you know, um, these resources that we have. All yep. they had was, I will trust in the... And, and that song connected them to a legacy of being able to overcome whatever oppressive forces are sitting on top of you. And, uh, you know, when we all were singing that song, I'm looking around the room and everybody had a different, you could see the faces of people who were having a different experience. Yes. Know, with that song. Yes. And then it's like, we're all, oh. we're all right there. We're all right there in that moment. And there's just a power in that, that um, I think every human being on a soul level longs for um, to be able to somehow connect on some level 
where instantly they feel safe. They feel a sense of familiarity. They feel a sense of legacy. They feel a sense of connectedness. And they feel a sense of, it's not okay. Mm. I'm okay right here and right now. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.